I've been thinking about herbs in this moment and the herbs that um, folks might need to help them through this time of struggle, of inspiration, and how we can keep ourselves strong, our heart strong, our body strong in order to continue um, this fight for, for liberation. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Hey, Bob. It's uh, another great week, and you're here, and I'm here. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, it is a great week as we head into the summer. It's uh, overcast day. We got the June gloom happening here in the Monterey Bay area. How about you? How you doing? Yeah, good. We um, it's nice and beautiful out, and we have no type of gloom in June here in Colorado. But um, yeah, we did have a solstice this last weekend, and I was able to camp out and spend the night underneath the stars, which felt really good. Did you do anything special for summer solstice? Um, I didn't really do anything special, but I watched the sunset and appreciated the longest day of the year. Yeah. Well, it's all downhill from here, Bob. So might as well just call it. <laughs> That's like the story of 2020. It's all downhill yeah. from here. <laughs> oh God. Um, you've been getting into any dystopias recently? Um, well, yeah, I had a dystopia that... Um, I thought was relevant to the show today. Can oh, we nice. talk about it? Yeah, please. Oh, good. Okay. So, you know, when we were thinking about the show today, we we're thinking about um, ideas of health and wellness. And um, just to foreshadow, we have uh, um, a wonderful guest on our show today. But before we get to them, what oh, first ever guest? Yeah. Hello, maybe you know that air horn button that people push. Do, 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 do. I'll add that in post production. Don't worry. Oh, good, excellent. Yeah, this is a big, a big week for us here at Thriving. Yeah, nice. Sorry, what were you? What were you get? What were you getting after? Oh yeah. So I was thinking about the theme of health, and you know the dystopia that came to mind is um, that movie Twelve Monkeys. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. With uh, Bruce Willis, right? Yep. He's like Brad Pitt, too. Yeah. Time travel. These are all the things that are coming up for 12 Monkeys for me. <laughs> yeah, I remember he, Bruce Willis is in the future and he try and travels back. And Brad Pitt is um, at like a um, intensive psychiatric, um, you know, inpatient clinic, you know, like where he's being treated as um, like mentally insane, right? Right. And, yeah. But he has all these like insights into society, right? Um, about basically the ways in which society is going in the wrong directions. And so I was thinking, yeah, that is a really good critique of our society um, that we have this idea of pathologizing when there's an issue that comes up 
the dominant system tries to pathologize it and right right. um, yeah like to call it crazy right to say like that's just a crazy idea right yeah sort of make it feel like you're not normal for believing um an out a quote-unquote outlandish idea yeah and i and like the ways to fix that is either to like yeah first of all it's the idea of fixing and curing um and mm-hmm. so yeah. like you got to like tear it out or you know get it out with surgery or drugs and if you can't do that then you have to like banish it um like to this um you know place where everyone's basically imprisoned so yeah right it becomes othering right so yeah. feeling these thoughts and these ideas make and it's a, definitely a theme that comes up in every, like, not every, but a lot of dystopias. Like, the main character in 1984, he feels really othered, and he feels like because he's not believing mainstream ideology that he is, like, losing his mind, right? Yep. Which is, like, a feeling that I feel like a lot of us have felt when we feel like we're not, like, in step with what everyone else is feeling. You kind of question your own self, you know? Yep. And then when that happens, the system can target you and basically like neutralize you in these ways uh, through like medicalization, pathologization, and then, um, yeah, rendering like Brad Pitt basically, um, yeah, as so-called crazy. So, yeah, that, that was the dystopia that I've been thinking about. And I've also been thinking about um, in this time of the pandemic, when I have health issues going on, um, I really don't want to go to the hospital or I don't want to go to even like my doctor's office. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I barely want to go to the grocery store, you know? Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I just like pray that I don't have to, Um, but it's, it's a thought that I have every yeah i mean pretty often like like please don't get something where i have to go um and so i thought that was relevant to our show today as well um yeah well should we introduce what we're talking about yeah already? go ahead people just making all kinds of guesses in their minds like oh man what is the show about <laughs> um yeah well today we're going to be talking about health, but specifically, we're going to be talking about herbalism with uh, our special guest today. So excited. Yeah. Um, Well, today we have Julie Pachelik. She's coming on the show and she is studying herbalism at the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism right there in Lafayette, Colorado. And she has been into herbalism for a really, really long time. And for real fans of the show, she is also happens to be my wife, and I'm really excited to have her be guest numero uno, you know? Yeah, we're honored to have her. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here with the, the two of you fellas. Yeah, Julie, so welcome to the sound studio, and um, I was thinking you could tell us a bit about your story of um, your path to herbalism, and um, maybe that's a great place to start. Yeah. Sure, happy to do that. It's always a a bit of a challenge to try and 
condense one story into a tight little package, but I'll do my very best. Um, I mean, I think there is something about herbalism that speaks to me so deeply um, in a way that it was kind of just a matter of time until I found my way there. Um, I've always loved plants. I uh, grew up, uh, my mom is an incredible naturalist. Um, my dad, less so into natural history and ecology, but definitely um, adventurous and really the two of them worked really hard to get myself and my brother outdoors and um, to let us explore and adventure together as a family. And I think that led me into some studies in natural history and ecology um, where I was definitely drawn to plants and getting to know those larger systems that connect plants um, with everything else in this world. And First ended up at a uh, a small little weekend herb conference and just being surrounded by people who feel just as passionate about plants as I do um, and who are using these plants to take care of themselves and take care of their families and take care of their communities was incredibly inspiring. I met some fantastic herbalists that weekend and I remember just coming home just beaming, so, so excited um, and that really just led me down a path to, um, you know, eventually a few months ago, deciding that I wanted to be really serious about my studies. I've been doing a lot of self-study for maybe five or six years before I decided that I really wanted to commit to going to school. Um, and so as Dave mentioned, I'm enrolled in the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism. I'm also enrolled in a field botany program through the Mountain Herbalism. Uh, I think it's just called Mountain Herbalism, based out of Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Um, so that's where I am. I'm really immersed in it right now and just absolutely, absolutely loving it. Maybe I can jump in here and ask, um, like, the uh, taking a step back, like, what is herbalism? Um, because some people might think it's like, yeah, just using an herb um, to, like, cure oneself but i was talking before about like the dominant medical model about like curing fixing or like it's kind of like this separation model but what i heard you just talking about is this much more interdependence or you know like connectedness model i wonder if like herbalism is like a paradigm shift not just like herbs rather than pills uh, yeah could you talk about like what is herbalism a little bit more yeah, absolutely, Bob. Thanks for for bringing it back. I feel like that's where a teacher always likes to start um, with definitions. So thanks for for bringing us back to that. Oh yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I think herbalism is it is hard to define because it is so large. There are so many different types of herbalism and herbalism has, has been practiced has been practiced um, by people for centuries all around the world um, so to to put it in one specific box is um, I think is leaving a lot out but I can speak to um, the type of herbalism that that I practice and um, just generally we call that uh, I'm a western herbalist, which is based on uh, the herbs and the practices are 
coming from the physiomedicalist tradition out of Europe. Um, but, you know, of course, uh, other forms of herbalism that people may be familiar with are Ayurvedic herbalism, which has its roots in India, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and there's a, a broad term that we can use to um, refer to these as vitalism. So these are all vitalist herbalism practices. Um, Unani Tib, there, there's a lot more that I definitely don't know a whole lot about, but vitalist herbalism is, really looks at the whole being um, and the whole patient. And uh, you're right, Bob, when it is um, very much rooted in that kind of ecology at those relationships um, and understanding that we are a collection of so many different things. Um, symptoms can be expressions coming from other body systems that, that can come from um, emotional issues that are coming up. The idea being finding the imbalance and trying to bring balance back to the body um, as opposed to um, what we'd refer to as, you know, conventional medicine or modern medicine, what is most commonly practiced in this country and recognized as medicine in this country is much more, um, you know, a pill for every ill. And you have a symptom, let's treat that symptom, let's get rid of that symptom. Whereas vitalism sees a symptom and, you know, tries to peel back the layers to find what is causing that symptom. Um, and, and finding balance to those underlying causes. Um, yeah. And so another question comes up for me. I, in Santa Cruz, um, in the, the Bay Area, I have like observed herbalism for, you know, the, the time that I've been here. Um, I've noticed that like herbalist communities tend to be, this is not totally true, but like somewhat segregated, like there'll be like some white herbalist communities and then maybe like indigenous herbalist communities and like um, maybe somewhat more diverse, like urban herbalist communities, um, people of color, um, like in Oakland. And I'm curious about like the intersections of race. This is also a question of like um, herbalist practices, uh, like the history of herbalism um, for example, like Western traditions versus indigenous versus Chinese, um, like those histories may like lead to this segregation, but yeah, I'm just curious overall, like intersections with race and particularly like how whiteness, like whiteness is definitely playing a big role in the, the big, um, medical community. Um, and like, you know, people co color have like um, face a lot of racism in that system and, you know, racism has no end. So I'm curious about like, yeah, how herbalist communities like face racism. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, once again, I can, I can only speak for, um, for myself and the communities that I'm a part of. I think there's probably a lot of work being done um, across the board, uh, some folks really, really diving into these issues of white supremacy and colonialism that that have become embedded in herbalist traditions. Um, and I think you know some folks are are unaware of the ways that those have found their way there. 
Um, so I think there's, you know, how herbalists on the individual level and on a larger scale are, are dealing with that in a lot of different ways. Um, and I can speak a little bit more about, about my experience, um, because this is something that I absolutely have spent some time thinking about and, um, am currently exploring and will probably continue to explore for the rest of my life. It's, it's the kind of thing that doesn't have any concrete answers, um, but invites a lot of, um, questions and ideas. Um, I'd say most recently I've been doing some work around, um, uh, colonialism, trying to, um, you know, at the very least know and acknowledge, uh, the land that I'm living upon, uh, where I'm at right now. Um, it's really, uh, where, um, the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes were moving up to the mountains. That's Ute territory and out into the plains is more Sioux. So depending on where you are on the front range, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people who have been displaced, um, a lot of people who have been killed in order for white people to be here. And so to be on this land and to be studying these herbs, and for me personally, I am I'm very interested in, in learning the local herbs, getting to know the plants of this area um, and using that for my medicine as opposed to, um, you know, ordering herbs and medicines from other countries, other parts of the world that don't grow here. And when I step into that, um, for me, it's very much a curiosity. Um, there's an excitement to get to know these plants, but that can't be separated from the idea that this land um, does not belong to my ancestors. It was it was stolen. It was taken um, from the people who were here originally, and so a lot of the local plants uh, have a very rich and profound meaning for those people. Um, uh, often, people who are not um, either not allowed to come harvest or attend to the stands, or have just you know live elsewhere um, and can't can't come to these plant stands can't come to these areas in the mountains where these plants grow. So, um, you know, one of my mentors was talking about the plant OSHA and how that has a, a very sacred spiritual significance to the native people here. And he has just chosen not to harvest OSHA, um, recognizing that he is also white and, um, just that his it, it it is powerful medicine. Um, it's a really cool plant, but recognizing that there are other plants he could use to get those same herbal actions, and that it doesn't have the same significance for him um, or for his ancestors, and therefore he would prefer not to work with that plant. Um, so that's that's one example of an action that someone is taking. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. Also, in terms of herbalist communities. I mean, I'm in school right now. My class has about 50 or so students and, um, you know, the, the great majority is white women who are studying this. So, um, race and class also play a big role in that. Um, herbalism is not recognized by our, our, um, the medical system as a legitimate form of medicine it is not covered by any insurance. And so if a person were to um, 
seek out an herbalist, they would need to be paying for that out of pocket. Um, and also just the additional expenses of, you know, things like herbs, oils, tinctures, you know, these are not covered any under prescription plans. Um, and so, so much of herbalism and, and quote unquote alternative healing, um, is, is very much a class issue. Um, and I think for me, that is, uh, something that I've been wanting to explore, something that I've been wanting to confront. Um, and in this moment, I am choosing to do that by speaking with other herbalists and, um, talking about herbalism and the way that there are, you know, it is, it is been created in, a white supremacist culture in this country, of course, there are themes of white supremacy and colonialism that have made its way into Western herbalism. Um, how could they not? <laughs> it's everywhere. And yeah, I think that's a really big, it's a big question. I don't think I really have a bit, a good answer for that right now, um, beyond just a, a desire to continue exploring and learning and asking those questions and, um, kind of pushing, pushing back against that. Yeah, that's a massive question. And I really appreciate your answer. A uh, question that like has so many different, like pushes for so many different answers, like depending on different locations. So I love that example of like consciousness around the plant's connection to colonial histories. Um, and like, yeah, whether or not to harvest a plant, one needs to like have a good sense of history and like how that intersects with race and colonialism. Um, it, and I have a, a, a little bit of a follow-up question. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. Um, I, have, I have a few too. <laughs> actually, yeah, maybe you go first, Dave, and then I, I'll, I'll remember my question. Perfect. Yeah. I, one of the things that I was going through my head is the barriers to access that Julia was kind of hinting at how, um, the barriers that are set up are these barriers, um, that prevent, um, people of accessing it across the board. And I know that there's been a lot of work done by different herbalists and different healers to help make that barrier of access, um, to negate that. Right. So like making it, like when I was um, a broke farmer in Oregon, one of the healers that I was working with was an acupuncturist and she did a, a community-based acupuncture and she charged me based on sort of my income. So it was kind of a conversation that we were having and I was able, for the first time in my life, able to access acupuncture, which was pretty crucial for me because it happened right after our dad died. And that was like a moment for me where I was like, felt so blessed to have um, a healer in my life to help me grieve because that was the thing that I was lacking most was having, um, yeah, sort of a permission to grieve and the acupuncture helped lead me down that path. So it was something that felt that I is not necessarily like at the time I didn't have the money to pay for it. I was making like less than $500 a month. So I was barely able to survive, you know? Um, but that was like a moment that made me realize of what we can give back to each other. And 
I think too, that there are so many different things like a conversation Julie and I've been having recently are things that we can do that have like almost nothing to do with healing. Um, I mean, they have everything to do with healing, right? But they're like the basic things that you can do. And so before you even talk about like ingesting herbs or taking tea or taking tinctures, there's like these basic things that you can do. Um, I want to say preventative, but that's not quite the word. Can you help me out a little bit? Do you know what I'm referring to, Julie? Yeah, I do. And I mean, of course, I think they are really preventative. Um we talk about this a lot in school, just your basic vitalist practices of um, of eating well, of taking care of your body by exercising, of making sure that um, you are also providing for your for your spirit, your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, um, having practices like meditation or yoga, going for quiet walks, journal, you know, for, it looks different for every person. Um, but I think there is such a desire in our culture to, you know, have donuts and coffee every day for breakfast. And then when you're having digestive trouble to just pop a pill and be done with it, when so much of the type of healing that I am studying is, is really looking at the whole picture, um, and being very critical about what we have been told about health. What, what does good nutrition look like? Um, and that's something I really appreciated my teacher sharing is good nutrition looks different for every person. Um, and, you know, one person may want to eat a lot of meat and that's what makes them feel good. Um, and, you know, an another person may feel like veganism is the right choice for them. And so I think there's not one single model for health and well being. Um, but, Anytime uh, I feel like I really want to take a big step for my health, I, I always come back to just those basics. Um, what am I eating? How much water am I drinking every day? Um, what am I doing for my emotional and spiritual health? And I think that you can live a very vital and rich life without touching any herbs, with, with just sticking with those basics. Um, I think you can do so much and you can do so much healing with that as well. Yeah, no, just to follow up. I know that when the pandemic was starting, I was like, okay, what can I do to like make my immune system? What herbs can I start taking every day to make my immune system boosted and not boosted, but supported? Um, what are the like things that I can be doing for myself so that like, if, COVID does come, like I will be as strong as I can be. And I know like you kept talking about like, really, like let's start with hydration, make sure that you're staying hydrated. Then we'll move on to sleep and thinking about your sleep patterns and making sure you're fully rested and then move on to stress. And this is like, and then after that, we'll talk about diet. And then at that point, we'll talk about what kind of supplements and herbs that you can take on a daily basis to help um, to help su support you. And I felt like that was like information. I, I really wanted to be able to like tell myself and tell my friends and tell my mom, like, okay, yeah, take these five herbs for the rest of your life and you'll be fine. But that's like not quite how it works. And I feel like that's a good message. It was a good message for me to hear, but also like a, a message that, um, yeah, we, we need to do those basic, what did you call it? Vitalist practices 
that felt like a, a word that felt good to me. That was basic vitalist practices before even thinking about going and treating those, the, the problems that are coming up. Yeah. This remind this like gets me back to the paradigm shift that I heard Julie talking about. Like the, the message that we have when we're growing up is if something's wrong, like then tell a, an adult and then we'll go to the hospital. Um, but what a vitalist, you know, thinking would might be, would be like, learn about yourself, like listen to your body and learn what different things mean. Like, so when um, anxiety comes up, like what, be, being able to ask questions about what, what it does it mean? Um, where might it be coming from? Being able to talk with someone about it. So like, this more holistic and curious and sort of deeply educational um, practice rather than a, like a rushing to the hospital. Um, and so I really, I really heard that when Julie was talking and I, I, I love that paradigm shift. It's, it's, it's something that like, I think we need to be teaching children, you know, like how to know what their body is telling them. Um, I, I also wanted to shift gears and ask about this idea of like corporate herbalism and when like walking into a Whole Foods, you might go to like the vitamins or the miner- the like herb section and they'll have like 10 different types of, um, I don't know, like St. John's wort or something like that. And I'm curious if that has like hurt like uh, more grassroots um, you know, indigenous, like the, the ways that corporations seem to be profiting off like a type of herbalism. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a really good point because there are huge companies that are, um, farming or sourcing herbs in, in enormous quantities, sending them to stores, um, where, you know, it's really hard to trace back. It's really hard to find um, the the source to figure out quality of these plants. Um, and because herbalism has um, not so, uh, it's no coincidence that herbalism has is not accepted or acknowledged as a legitimate healing modality in this culture. So regulations are very, very lax. Um, you can get a lot of fillers, um, just a, a lot of junk in, in some products. Of course, there, there are some great companies out there. Um, but there definitely are herbal products that are not what they claim to be, um, or they're just of poor quality that, um, that it's maybe not worth taking them. So absolutely those have had effects on, um, on communities, you know, I'm, I'm imagining these farming communities that are growing, um, herbs in huge, huge quantities, um, and definitely putting a strain on, um, local herbalists and, and smaller, you know, more handcrafted products that people are making maybe from their home or small business. Um, I think for me, uh, of course it really depends on community, but, um, Finding if your local grocery store or um, or your town has an apothecary um, is a great place to start. Um, 
I also find that some of my favorite herbs are just the weeds in the yard. Um, you know, the abundance of dandelion, you can find it everywhere in the world and, um, what incredible medicine. And if you, uh, can trust where you're getting it from, you know, I, I probably not recommend digging up dandelion from a local park in a lot of public places, they, they'll do spraying and things like that. But, you know, if you're in your yard and you know that, uh, you haven't sprayed your yard, that's great medicine and you can harvest that and dry it and, um, and use that for yourself and for your family, um, free of charge. You know, <laughs> I've known, I've known, um, folks who have farms and, you know, when I say, Hey, can I come and have, can I, can I do a you pick for dandelion? They are often quite welcome to having me come and, uh, dig up their weeds for them. And then I'm happy and they're happy. So there's definitely ways that, um, we, don't need to be going to these grocery stores buying these plastic bottles, um, but I much much prefer engaging with the whole plant. Um, and if you can finding that that plant um, in your community, um, and if that's unavailable, then other sources like finding a local apothecary or um, a, a favorite herbal company is Mountain Rose Herbs. They do a lot of good sourcing, um, and they they move a lot of quantity. So um, generally speaking, what you're getting is, is pretty fresh and good quality herbs. That's awesome. I love that, Julie. That's very helpful. Yeah. I have um, one more question, but maybe I'll pass it to Dave before that last, my last question. Yeah. Uh, that's great, Julie. Thanks. I am, as you're talking about dandelions, I know for myself, I'm like, wow, what else, what other knowledge, um, like what else, can I get my physical hands on? Because I'm like so curious about like other things that I can be doing. And I'm sure that, you know, not everyone has you as their wife um, to ask every day, but like, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners might be curious of like some other like everyday things that they could get their hands on and sort of break down those, that uh, barrier access a little bit and um, make it a little more um, open to all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's so, so much that I could speak of here and, and would definitely be happy to um, continue this conversation elsewhere. Um, for all, all the listeners around the world, I'm happy to invite this conversation as well um, beyond this podcast. I think for me, it's it's tough to give a, a person a direction because I think for me, finding my way to the plants, um, it's such a personal journey um, on to herbalism. And so I think I would encourage anyone to go for a walk, maybe um, find some open space uh, near your home or even a walk around the block and just take notice at um, what plants kind of call out to you. Um, what are you drawn to? And over time, you'll notice that maybe you keep seeing the same plant. You keep noticing the same little flower, the little berries, and um, that will kind of lead you down down that journey. I don't want to give any specific instructions or specific plants to people because I think um, plants come into our lives um, at a certain time for a certain reason. Um 
but I also do want to offer some some specific plants and ideas to get folks excited about it. Um, there's an incredible ancient recipe um, called fire cider. Uh, there are many uh, many recipes. I would recommend going to the website Free Fire Cider. I think it's .com. And there's a just a fantastic story about fire cider there and um, how fire cider has taken on really. Uh, an incredible pushback against that, those corporate herbal companies. Um, that's something you can make in your kitchen. Its base is honey and apple cider vinegar. Um, and you can make it with a lot of herbs that you can just buy at your regular grocery store. It doesn't even need to be some, you know, crunchy granola co-op with a bulk herb section. Um, it's the classic recipes got garlic and ginger and jalapeno um, and horseradish. Um, I've been thinking about herbs in this moment and the herbs that um, folks might need to help them through this time of um, of struggle, of inspiration, um, and how we can keep ourselves strong, our hearts strong, our bodies strong in order to continue um, this fight for for liberation and. Um, what really comes to me is rose. Um, there's a, the rose family, rosaceae, and in the genus Rosa, just about all of the those plants, all those specific species, have a similar medicinal properties. And um, it's a mild astringent. Um, can be used topically or internally. Um, astringent meaning that it draws, it drains, it tones and tightens, um, kind of lax or or boggy um, ailments. But I think what draws me the most to Rose is um, it's energetic medicine, it's heart medicine. Um, taking a look at the rose bush, you see these beautiful fragrant blossoms with these delicate petals. And you look down at the stems and there's this woodiness, there's thorns and rose really it holds that balance between the two. Um, it's a great plant to work with if you are trying to practice boundaries. Um, you know, figuring out where what's the safest space for you. Um, and anything in the rose family, hawthorn is a great one. Also, good heart medicine, crataegus, and so teas, tinctures. Uh, you know, uh, rose oil, uh, rose water. You know, however you want to engage with this plant, it's a it's a pretty safe plant and just absolutely beautiful to work with. Incredibly aromatic, um, that can offer some good strength in these times. And I also want to bring up one of my favorites, Skullcap, Scutellaria, Lateriflora, a member of the mint family. Um, if you're looking for a great herb word, it's a trofo restorative, meaning it strengthens and supports your nervous system. So even over time, taking um, skullcap as a tea or a tincture, it it really helps your nervous system. So in these times of high stress, um, where it just you can just feel that your nerve endings are fried, skullcap is a good friend. Um, in high doses, it really helps you sleep. Uh, and so taking a tea right before bed, um, if you're having trouble sleeping, you know, thinking about those vitalist practices um, in order to persist and continue 
we need to be well rested. We need to take care of our body. So those are just two personal favorites that I wanted to to tack on there. I love those, Julie. That's super helpful. That was my question. Um, like, how can people going forward think about getting into herbs and herbalism? Uh, it brings up that one of my favorite um, plants is nettle, and I, I. I think it was you two who turned me on to it, uh, not only taking it um, through tea, but taking it topically where when I had my like really bad shoulder inflammation, the nettle being stung by it, like really reduced the swelling. And that was a, a big turning point in my like healing from the like my real rough shoulder inflammation, my tendonitis. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's same for me. Nettle has been one of those plants when Julie was talking earlier about how we go through the world and like what plants we start to take notice of. Nettle is one that like pops out and is like, Hey, you better start noticing me. Otherwise your shins are going to start feeling real funny when you walk by me. And I love that. It's like been one of those plants that it's like so nutritious when you eat it. It's like so good for inflammation when you get flogged by it. It's good to cure baldness for all those uh, balding people out there. And um, yeah, it's just one of those plants that like has called to me too, Bob. So that's funny that you bring it up. And I yeah. also really love that imagery of bread and roses and like, which is like such a classic old song. And, you know, I was first introduced to it by Judy Collins through our dad. And it's just like such a revolutionary song. And I like the idea that roses have this like heart energy that like, can bring that out in you. So that felt really good to me too, Julie. Thanks. Yeah. Nettle. We could have another show on nettle. What an amazing plant. Well, I think that'll wrap us up. And I, I really just want to deeply thank Julie for coming on the show, um, sharing so much knowledge and wisdom with us and bringing up some great questions. And uh, Julie, thank you for leading the way as being a just amazing guest on the, the, uh, Thriving in Dystopia. Oh, man. Thanks, Julie. Yeah. Couldn't imagine a better guest to start up this show off with. And what great information you shared with everybody. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Really appreciate it. Let's do our tuned in section. What do you got? On, what are you tuned into, Dave? I just, I just feel like it's my favorite section, Bob. And I wouldn't mind talking about it a little bit. Um, I have been tuned into two different things. One is the TV show Alone, which um, season six just got put on Netflix. And um, it is one of those shows where it's people that go out into the Arctic. It's kind of like the TV show Survivor. And um, they go out to the Arctic and they're just trying to survive for as long as they can. But it just has so much uh, heart and drama in it that I highly recommend it. Um, I've never watched it before, but I know a lot of my friends have recommended it to me. Did you say you, you've never watched it before? I Well, <laughs> never seen it. Just want to recommend it. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I'd never watched it before. It just came on Netflix. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, the other show I watched was a TV show called Outlander, which I really enjoyed. Um, I, I watched it with uh, mom. And we watched it on Father's Day and it was really fun to see that show because it's just like a period piece of 
like this time traveling nurse going back in time. I mean, she's, she gets like sucked back into the 1700s in Scotland. And I'm just like, oh man, if they could ever make a show better than Downton Abbey for her mom, it'd be a nurse in England in a specific time period. And I think she's just going to crank through that TV show. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Love a good mom show. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? What are you tuned into? Um, are you familiar with that hip hop group, uh, Run the Jewels? Uh, no, never heard of them. They are, they've got a new album out. Um, you probably familiar with Killer Mike. He's one of the MCs. Um, uh, probably. I'm not, I haven't been too into hip hop over the last years, but yeah. He's like a big Bernie Sanders guy. Uh, Uh and then LP is their other MC. Um, and yeah, they have a new album and there's a track called Just and the S is a dollar sign. And it's featuring Pharrell and Zach De La Roca. And, you yeah, know, I love Zach De La Roca and yeah, um, Rage Against the Machine fame. Yes, that that track is amazing. I can't stop listening to it. Um, nice. Yes, it's gold. Um, just an incredible hip hop track. So highly, highly recommend that whole album, which is really good. And but that track in particular called Just. Sweet. Well, Bob. I think that does it for another week for us. Oh yeah, I, I was if Julie's still there, if she, she has it tuned in, that'd be great too. Yeah, let me uh, let me call to her. Hey Julie, you got it tuned in? Um, let's see. In terms of, uh, I'm gonna take it in the direction of verbalism, of course. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is called Natural MD Radio with Aviva Ram, and she is an incredible woman. Worked as a an herbalist and a midwife for many years, went to medical school and um, just is able to speak about healing in on so many levels. I really respect her. What a what an incredible woman. And Julie, you also mentioned um, how people might be able to get after you if they want to continue the conversation. Do you mind giving them your coordinates? My coordinates? Sure thing. <laughs> Happy to talk herbs with anyone at any time. But my- that's it. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> uh my email is juliepatchelik at gmail.com j-u-l-i-e p is in peter a-c-h-o-l-i-k at gmail.com and is that the same as gmail or is that a different uh service oh sorry i'm saying that wrong at gmail okay good and you can get after the podcast you can email us at dave peachtree just like spelled just like you think at gmail.com or Bob's Twitter. We always nail that one. BMaze19. And uh, what's the new Instagram, Bob? The Instagram is thriving underscore in underscore dystopia. How, how many uh, followers do we have on that one? I think we're up to 43. Pretty good. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. The show, the show is growing, you know? Yeah. It, it feels really good. And, um, yeah, we're excited to have all of you on this show at some point, all those loyal listeners out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, Dave, cue the color. Yeah, cue the color, as they say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks for the show, Bob. Love you. Love you too, Dave. Love you, Julie. Hey, y'all. Bob and I want to just take a second to thank you all for lending us your ears for the show. It really does mean a lot to us from the bottom of our heart. We also want to thank the 
artists for making our show a little bit more beautiful. The intro song is a song called In Heaven by Drake Stafford. The outro song that you're listening to right now is a song called Comfort You by Kulla. And the thumbnail is done by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Thank you all. And we'll see you next week. Hope you have a good one. Comfort to you, comfort to you. We ain't got nothing to do with where you are. Where you been, where you going. Comfort to you, comfort to you. Has got something to do with who you are. And how you love, and how you pain. And how you sorrow Until you know